We are so grateful and thankful for that fantastic choir that just blessed us. Amen. Thank God for that dedicated, consecrated, and very talented group of men and women, man and woman. Appreciate that. We were blessed. We were inspired. We were encouraged. Thank you. Thank you. Keep up the good work. Keep up the ministry as you continue to magnify and glorify God's name. Well, it is a high Sabbath for us, the Texas Conference team that is here, as we get to worship with you, as we get to experience God once again on his holy day, in his holy place, with his holy people. So I bring greetings uh, from Elder DeMorris, our president, and Elder Terry, our treasurer. They wanted to be here so bad. But because of another assignment that came up in another part of the conference, they could not be joining us this morning. But just know that uh, their thoughts are with us, their love is for, for you, for the church, and for this endeavor that we're about to start. Thank you, Pastor Harris, for uh, hosting us. Thank you, church, for receiving us, for welcoming us. And that's true. You are a very friendly church, a very warm church. As soon as those doors opened this morning, I felt the love. I felt the warmth. I felt the kindness. So thank you. Thank you so much. Some months ago, I'm sure you uh, were watching the news, reading the news, and you came across a story as I did. It took place uh, sometime in December, late December during the Christmas season. It turns out that uh, there in Buffalo, New York, uh, they had one of the deadliest storms uh, in about a generation. A blizzard came by, and you recall seeing those houses covered with snow, vehicles covered with snow. It just brought everything to a standstill. So one young man, 27-year-old, received a phone call from a friend, from a buddy. He said, hey, man, I'm stranded. Come and give me a hand. So this friend, Jay, said, hey, man, I'll be right over. So he got in his car, and he started out, and guess what? He, too, was stuck. He, too, was stranded. He, too, was trapped by the snow. So he called the first responders. He called for some rescuers to come and help him. And he waited and waited, and he realized that they could not reach him. So there he was in his pickup truck, and it was cold, very, very cold, and it was late. So he hung around in his pickup truck, and pretty soon uh, some two persons, two strangers, total strangers, joined him, got in his truck, and, you know, they were running the truck. They, they had the heater going. But uh, then they realized that uh, the fuel was very, very low. So plan B, they're not coming for us, so we got to do something. So we started knocking on doors in, in the area. It was a residential area. Hey, let us in. Please give us a hand. No one would let him in. No hospitality practice there. So um, they, they searched around, and it just so happens there was a school nearby, an academy nearby. And, um, hey, drastic uh, situations call for drastic measures. So he broke in, not to steal anything, not to burglarize the, the building, but to find a place of sanctuary, of warmth and protection. So he got in, broke a window, got in, and then he started going out. See, it wasn't enough for him to, to be in a warm, protected, secure area. He thought about the others out there stranded in their vehicles. So he started walking down the avenue, knocking on the car windows and telling the people, hey, 
there's a safe place over here. One by one, he brought those individuals in. And he said he kept walking up and down the avenue so much that his legs were giving out. And I'll come back to it in a little bit. And uh, all in all, he was able to rescue 24 individuals and a few dogs, <laughs> a few pets. And, um, you know, when, when the news media got hold of a story, they uh, pointed out how they found some blankets during the school, they found some water, they found some cereal, they found some fruit, and they started munching on that. And um, it was, again, there sometime during Christmas. And uh, the next day, the next day, as things were just a slightly better, he found a, a, um, a janitor's closet and found a snowblower and he decided to go out there and start digging out the vehicles of all these friends of his and free the, up the cars. So he did that, and then everyone was on their way to celebrate Christmas with their family. What a gift. What a gift. And uh, when the police officers came, finally responded, they found this note that Jay had left there. To whomever it may concern, I'm terribly sorry about breaking the school window and for breaking in the kitchen. Got stuck at 8 p.m. Friday, that was the 23rd of December of last year, and slept in my truck with two strangers, just trying not to die. There were seven elderly people, he wrote in that note, also stuck and out of fuel. I had to do it to save everyone and get them shelter and food and a bathroom. Last two words before he signed his name, Merry Christmas. Wow. A school becomes a safe haven, becomes a place of rescue, becomes a place of salvation. And that's what we want to talk to you here briefly this morning. Talk about education, Christian education. As you know, we're, we're getting ready to head out, or our team is ready to get out, head out here tomorrow to begin their 400-mile journey. And I want to review with you why they're doing what they're doing, why they have been doing what they've been doing. And uh, when you go into the Bible and you look in the concordance or back of the Bible in the concordance there or some other um, book, other resource, you look up the word education, you find that it is not in the Bible. The word itself, education, is not there. But you find that there are principles, there are uh, verses that speak about education, speak about teaching, speak about instruction. And one of them, you can see there, Psalm 32, verse 8. This is the New King James Version. It is said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. So this is God speaking to his people. This is God speaking to us. And he's saying, I will do the instructing. I will do the teaching. I will do the guiding. It is God who initiates the instruction, the education. Another passage there in the Old Testament, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Again here, it's pointed out that God is a source of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. He's the one who's a giver, who's generous with wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. So even though we don't have the word per se, education, 
in the Old or New Testament, we do find the principle, we do find the concept, we do find the practice of education. Now, I went to uh, one of my favorite books that I have in my little library, and I found this passage, this quote, this statement. You've read it before. You know it perhaps very well. True education means more than the pursuit of a certain course of study. Now, it does mean a curriculum. It does mean to study. It does mean to follow a course. But it, true education is more than that. It means more than a preparation for the life that now is. It has to do with, what is this? The whole being. So it's a holistic approach. Not just, not just touching the mind, the intellect, but it's a holistic approach. The whole being and with the whole period of existence. So it's not just 12 years or 16 years or 20-some or years of study, but it is a whole period of existence of that person. It is a harmonious development, check this out, of the physical, the mental, and the spiritual powers. It prepares the student for the joy of service in this world. So you're going to get a profession, a career, a trade. That's important. But also for the higher joy of wider service in the world to come. Education, Ellen G. White, page 13. Powerful, powerful. So we see that true education is very different from what most people generally think about education. And I was curious to see what um, the dictionary would say about education. So just briefly here, bear with me. I found the following. Dictionary.com says that education is the act or process of imparting or acquiring general knowledge, developing the powers of reasoning and judgment and generally of preparing oneself or others intellectually for mature life. So, so you have the emphasis of, of the intellect, of the mental, and that's good. But as we saw previously, what true education is, there's more to it. Another statement says, the act or process of imparting or acquiring particular knowledge or skills as for a profession. Okay, we agree with that, but there, again, there's something more. And then uh, it's also added a degree, level, or kind of schooling. Whoops. The result produced by instruction, training, or study, the science or art of teaching, pedagogics. So, so all of this we agree with. Generally speaking, that's what schools do. But when it comes to Christian education, Seventh-day Adventist education, we have a different viewpoint. We have a different approach. We see the holistic manner of education. Then I went to the thesaurus.com and looked up education and just gave a, a list of words that uh, could help us understand a little bit more. You have culture, you have discipline, you have improvement, information, learning, literacy, scholarship, schooling, science, study, teaching, training. See, all, all that is good. That's fine. But again, as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, we think of true education is a whole lot broader Again, based on scripture, based on spirit of prophecy, we see true education being something that we begin here and we continue in the world to come. So I consulted another uh, .com. It's not up yet, but pretty soon it'll be. It's called Montoya.com. And I looked up education. And based on what I had studied in the Bible and the spirit of prophecy, I, I simplified it. And I came up with this statement. See if you, you agree with it. Education 
is essential development under Christ's apprenticeship, transforming individuals' old nature. Do you think that's pretty good? So let's break down this real quick. So essential, that's something very, very necessary, something very important, something vital. Development, it, it's, it talks about growth. It talks about continually um, evolving, um, continually growing under Christ's apprenticeship. So there is a submission. There is a acknowledging that, that Christ is authority, he is Lord, and we have to learn from him. He is a master, he is the expert, and we are the disciple, we are the student. That's true education. So, so you can see that, again, education is not just what you do in the classroom, but it's what you do throughout life. And then something happens, something marvelous happens as you are uh, under Christ. Remember he said, take my yoke upon you and learn, learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. So we are learning under the master we are learning, and something happens, transformation happens, the individual's own nature begins to change. No longer the same person, now a different person. I think of Paul, what he wrote to, to the Corinthians, therefore, anyone who is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all have become new. So, you, you think you can remember this phrase? As you go out the doors today and live your life as God has placed you here on earth. So, you notice something about this phrase. And my friends from the conference office, I can see them smiling already. If, if you line up the words there in a column, just like thesaurus.com did. So, I'm following suit. Montoya.com coming up. Okay, you have the, the nine letters of education and they become a sentence, essential development under Christ's apprenticeship, transforming individuals' own nature. <laughs> I'm going to copyright that, by the way. <laughs> so education is more, than, again, than what takes place in four walls. It starts as soon as we're born in Christ and continues until the coming of Jesus and then even beyond. So, back to Jay and what he did. Jay, when he started going out, he said that um, he went from car to car. Again, it was cold, it was dark, snow, trudging through snow, and he said his legs were tired. But he was doing something for someone else. He was thinking about someone else. He was thinking about total strangers. Now, we have a team here who are going to be using their legs not to walk, but to cycle 400 miles. You know when you drive 400 miles, how tiring that is? Can you imagine cycling 400 miles? And if the weather is like yesterday's wind, my wife and I were like, wow. I mean, we were walking from the car to, to the place of lodging, and the wind was against us. And I told my wife, can you imagine cycling against this? We, we hope that the Lord will turn the wind, the current, and it's behind them, and will help them. But just like this friend, Jay, was out there knocking on windows of cars, getting people, our cyclist friends, they're doing something for someone else. 
Yes, they're cycling for their health, but they're riding for someone else, someone else's future. They're being unselfish as our friend Jay was, unselfish, reaching out to those and basically saving their lives. So just like that school building there in, in the Buffalo, New York area became a place of salvation. Christian Seventh-day Adventist education is a vehicle to save souls. We know that we're saved by grace, only by the blood of Jesus, not by works. It's all by grace. But in a classroom for 10 months, an evangelistic campaign goes on during those 10 months. Yes, they're learning about math, they're learning about English, they're learning about science, quantum physics, etc., etc., biology, but they're learning about the most important person in the universe, and that is God. And that's what I concluded. Here I'm going to share with you seven conclusions about Christian education. Christian education, Seventh-day Adventist Christian education is true education that begins with God. God is a center in school, at home, on the court, in the play field, in the supermarket, in the car wash, at the bank. God needs to be number one in our lives. That is true education. Conclusion number two. True education is connecting with that God. It's just not about knowing him, excuse me, not knowing about him only, but knowing him personally. It is communing with him, fellowshipping with him. It is connecting with heaven and living a life with him 24-7-3-6-5. Without him, life has no meaning. You know that. Without him, life is empty and void. Conclusion number three, Christian education. True education employs nature and the Bible as God's textbooks. So even, even in a planet that is no longer perfect, God speaks through nature. God speaks through the sparrow, through the butterfly, through the buzzing bee, through the little rabbit nibbling on the grass. He speaks through the stars, through the moon, the sun, the sky. And of course, through scripture, he's given us his revelation. He's told us about him. And as we read, True education, the highest education, takes place. Conclusion number four. True education impacts the body, mind, and soul, resulting in real development. We saw earlier dictionary.com and thesaurus.com. We commend them for those definitions and synonyms. But Seventh-day Adventist Christian education involves more than just the intellect. It involves the body. It involves the spiritual life as well. And I praise God that in our Seventh-day Adventist institution, the holistic approach is being practiced. Our teachers, our educators are well-prepared, and they're instructing our young people in a balanced and complete manner. Conclusion number five, true education restores God's image in humanity. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them in his image. They were similar to God and their thinking, and their creativity, and their freedom, and, and their thinking, and their doing. And of course, sin entered, and that image was marred. So true education, the highest education, begins to restore that image in each and every one of us. So as every day goes by, and we are in this school, Christ's school, we become more and more like him. Conclusion number six. 
True education equips a person to serve God and humanity. Just like Jay was out there knocking on those cars, trying to get people in, he was serving them. It was not enough for him just to be in a safe place with those two other strangers when they ran out of gas, were about to run out of gas, but he needed to do more. He needed to go outside. I mean, imagine, it's cold, very cold. It's dark. He's tired. He's hungry, but he's not thinking about himself. He's going out there, and that's what true education is. It's serving God and serving our fellow human being. And of course, because we're Seventh-day Adventists and we see that seven is a perfect number, Conclusion number seven, true education prepares an individual for heaven and the new earth. So yes, it's important. If you want to study, become a plumber, a carpenter, a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, a pastor, go for it. But remember that there's more to come after this life. You know, one of my favorite stories of how education impacts people's lives um, starts around... I think this person told this story some, some years ago, about six hours away from here. A young lady goes to her mailbox and retrieves a mail for the family. Just a teenager. And that, she, she took that responsibility uh, on herself. She'd go to the mailbox, pull out the mail, and look through it and hand it to the parents. And one day when she went to the mailbox, after the uh, mail deliverer came by, she noticed something different. She noticed a brochure. She saw an invitation. And she's looked at it, very different, never seen anything like that. Very colorful, very vivid, caught her attention. And she, she remembers that um, in the, on the front, there was this, this image of, of Christ's coming. And people were all uh, around on earth with their arms raised up, receiving their Lord and Master. So uh, the young lady, not being a Christian, she saw that, and that really attracted her because... She knew that uh, there was something more to this life. So she came in, put the mail there, and pretty soon when the parents came home from work, she shared what she had um, received in the mailbox. She said, hey, this is for us. Why don't we check this out? There was a number. She called it free, and she registered herself and her parents and the family. So they started attending. Actually, what it was, it was a seminar. Seminar put up by a church there in that community, and they went one night and they heard and learned things that they had never heard and learned before. Even so, in the story, they, they say that in a few days of this seminar, they learned more than they had ever learned in their religious experience years, decades, attending different churches. So fast forward. Night after night, weekend after weekend, they attend the seminar, and things begin to change in the home. Things begin to change in the family because true education impacts the life impacts the home, impacts the family. At the end of the seminar, of course, later on they find out that the, the church that was hosting the seminar was the Seventh-day Adventist church. And the person conducting the seminar was the Seventh-day Adventist pastor, who had gone, of course, to Seventh-day Adventist schools and prepared himself to be a minister of God and was doing so effectively. So at the end, as all pastors do and should do, makes a call, makes an appeal, and this teenager is one of those who stands up to be baptized and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. So that's a Friday evening when she makes a decision. When they get home, the parents have a conversation with her, 
and she has decided that she's going to give her life to Jesus. The next morning, a Sabbath, um, they wake up and get ready to go to church. And the mom is so excited, she tells her daughter, guess what? Guess what? I had a dream. I dreamt Jesus was coming, and he was calling me. So good news, I'm getting baptized with you this morning. Wow. So yes, that February 1985, both ladies, mom and daughter, descend into the watery grave and become Seventh-day Adventists. In the process, again, this would not be possible if, if that pastor hadn't gone to Seventh-day Adventist schools and hadn't become prepared to be an effective gospel minister. So in the process, this young lady, you know, um, being kind and, and friendly and warm like this church is, she had a boyfriend. And she shared what she was learning with her boyfriend, but her boyfriend was really not interested in religion because he concluded early on that religion was just for folks who were retired, you know. So nothing of religion interested him. You know, she shared what she was learning about heaven, about angels, about Jesus' second coming. But he was more into, you know, the Bible says Jesus is a rock. Well, he was interested in rock and roll, see. He was interested in music. Um, you know, he would throw out any name then, the bands then, and he knew them. And um, he was always interested in martial arts, and that kept him busy as well. Which, by the way, that's where they met, taking uh, martial arts classes. And, um, you know, he'd go with his buddies and just spend time. He liked action movies. So anything compared to those things just seemed boring and dull. So thank you, but no thank you. But she went on. She kept learning. She kept learning. And she kept sharing. She kept sharing. So long story short, this, this hard-headed young man finally opens his eyes and realizes that that void and that emptiness he was feeling all along, the story, the story says, was being filled by what she was sharing. What she had learned, she was sharing. So she was having Pastor Sean, an evangelistic crusade right there one-on-one. -on -one. Because the trust was there like you shared in Sabbath school. The relationship was there. So as he listened, he finally concluded and said, yep, this is what's been missing all this time. I've tried to fill it, he said, with rock music, with martial arts, with action movies, music, so forth and so on. So he went to the pastor and he said, you know what you shared, sir, with, with the family? Uh, could you please share it with me? And he said, yes, absolutely. So she had given him, her boyfriend, his very first Bible, first time. And the pastor gave the young man the, the studies, and he started studying. And on June 29, 1985, he also descended in the watery grave through baptism. Because, again, a pastor who had gone to Seventh-day Adventist schools was prepared to preach the word in an effective manner. Again, long story short, it's already 1255. That young man, at one point, after they married, good news, they married, you know, now they're on the same page, so they can marry. They marry, and he feels called to study for ministry. Who would think? You know, so he's going to have to cut his hair, of course, because this is long. So he has to cut his hair to look like a pastor, right, pastor? <laughs> so they go to, he goes to school, and of course they have no money, no scholarship, none whatsoever. Well, maybe a little bit of scholarship. Again, that's a little note there. Scholarships are important. And that made it possible for him to begin his studies. And, of course, he had to work, she had to work. It was tough. 
It was tough. Sometimes they ate rice and beans, and the next day they ate beans and rice. And then again, they changed it up, you know, just to keep it fresh. And uh, finally, they finished. he finished school, graduated, and was assigned to the first district here in Texas, as a matter of fact, in, in the Valley area. Then went to more studies, came back, pastored in different parts of uh, Texas. And uh, one day, uh, his name comes up to serve as uh, Texas Conference Executive Secretary. <laughs> Can you believe that? So my wife is that young lady. I thank God so much for her that she shared her faith. And because someone had prepared in schools, that inspired someone else to prepare in Seventh-day Adventist schools. And by the way, as I went from my, to my second year, someone kind enough gave me a scholarship. They decided to invest in young people. And that, whew, that made it easier. Now we could eat rice and beans and tortillas not just beans and rice. <laughs> so the following year, another little scholarship, and finally the, the final year, another scholarship. And it was made possible because people had vision. They didn't think about themselves. God blessed them, and they shared the blessing with others. And that's what the Determined Campaign is all about, sharing God's blessings with these young people. Because after God, listen to this, folks. If you forget everything I've said this morning, after our relationship with God, the most important treasure we have here on earth is each other. Human beings, our church members, our loved ones, our friends, our coworkers, our acquaintances. Not cars, they serve a purpose. Houses, they serve a purpose. Bank accounts, they serve a purpose. FDIC serves a purpose. But people, not things, are what we value because the highest education is to relate to God and to each other. So as I close this morning, I just want to invite you to make the highest education your experience. Walk with God. Talk with God. Work with God. Serve with God. And in the process, share with others your experience with God. Invite them too to join you. Because again, every day that goes by, we're that much closer to the coming of Jesus. Every day go, that goes by, we, we, we see these tragedies. You know, here, here Jay, our friend there in Buffalo, New York, used a school to save lives. Right now, uh, our brother prayed in his beautiful prayer, many schools are not saving lives, but they're taking lives. So the end is soon, very near. So we need to live, decide to live for Jesus, with Jesus, now and for eternity. May God bless you. Testing, testing. All right. Amen. Thank you so much for that testimony. There were a couple of us, we were like, that's, that's the past. Pastor Montoya is talking about himself, that boyfriend. 
it, the, the, the story was just too intimate there. You just too, knew too many details. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. Let us all stand for our closing hymn. We're going to sing one stanza of cover with his life whiter than snow. Look upon Jesus. Look upon Jesus. Sinless is he. Father imputes life unto me. pray. Our Father, thank you for a wonderful time spent in your temple. May you continue to be praised, honored, and glorified through our lives. Bless us, Father, as we continue to worship and serve you. And may your spirit go with us now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.